Welcome to the Bookshelf Odyssey podcast. In this podcast, we talk about books, interview authors, and we discuss their journey to becoming published. Each one has a different but amazing story. My hope is to encourage people to keep reading good books and to help authors find their audience and inspire everyone in their journey, whatever that might be. Welcome to the Bookshelf Odyssey podcast. My guest today is Douglas Robbins, and he's the author of several books, including Narakon, The Cloaked Deception, which is a science fiction piece about the evolution of souls. And his most recent book is Love in a Dying Town, which is a story about a single father raising his daughter in a dying factory town, showing her right from wrong, even as the world crumbles around them, and even as parts of him do as well. And he is also the host of the podcast Den of Discussion. Douglas, it sounds like you do a little bit of everything. So uh, welcome to the Bookshelf Odyssey podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I do. I think I just go where my interests take me. Yeah. Well, I, I know that. The authors I interview, I, I don't stick to one genre. I, I just, like you said, I, I take wherever my interest takes me. If the person sounds interesting or their their work I've enjoyed, it's just whatever. I'll, I'll follow my, my passion. <laughs> yeah. What we're going to start off with today, uh, as always, I like to find out what you're reading and, and uh, what kind of a reader you are. So uh, any books you've read lately that you want to share with us? Yeah, I seem to have, like most people, have a stockpile of books I keep <laughs> trying to get to. But uh, currently I'm reading Kim Stanley Robinson's book, um, Ministry for the Future, which is about climate change. And it's sort of after the fact, once huge hit wa- uh, heat waves have hit, uh, deaths, all these kind of things, what are governments doing? It's an book is gigantic, six, seven hundred pages in very small print. Um, I think it was one of Obama's favorite books a couple of years back. But um, so that's pretty interesting. And it's heavy with information and the science behind a lot of it. And, and some of the um, ideas that scientists put forward on how to stem the heat um, and, and, you know, reverse the uh, the melting of glaciers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty interesting. I'm also reading another book called uh, The Breakthrough Code by Tom McCarthy, um, sort of a fictionalized philosophical book about um, one's mindset and, and how do we interact with others um, instead of sort of a selfish manner of how can he help me. Um, so he's a salesman. This this one character, the protagonist in the book, uh, is a salesman, and he's always wondering how he can make more money and sort of this guide or this... this uh, a friend of his father starts explaining, well, you know, are you helping your clients? How are you helping your clients in this, you know, reach their goals? So uh, mm-hmm. reading that, reading a, a Leanne Moriarty book. Um, um, so I have a number of, uh, you know, irons in the fire. Yeah. Now, do you have a favorite genre you read or is it like many things just takes you where your interest goes? <laughs> um, you know, my favorite anything is about something that sort of moves me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't typically just read, say, like escapist literature or something. I might here and there because it's fun read and whatever. I like to be entertained and sort of informed. I'm not really, I, I, you know, like mysteries or thrillers or, or whatever it might be. As long as it's something that's evocative mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like is grabbing me by the sort of the head and the heart. I just finished reading uh, Project Hail Mary 
Uh, and I don't know if you've read that uh, that one. Another. It's by uh, Andy uh, Weir. He he wrote The mm -hmm. Martian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like everyone's read it, and I was the last one getting to it. So <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm the last one apparently. Oh, uh, all right. Well, uh, it's uh, for me. It really lived up to the hype. Mm. You know, I I always get a little suspicious about you know the books that are all hyped up you know yeah that's one i think like what you were saying it it really moved me both emotionally and intellectually mm -hmm. basically the the plot is there's a um earth ending event that is happening there's there's some kind of alien growth happening in space that's dimming the power of the sun so they mm -hmm. they have they basically humanity has one chance to find out the source of this and how to stop it and so they, they stick an astronaut in a spaceship and just shoot him off into space and kind of yeah. hope for the best. That That's a, a very simplistic approach as to what happened. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, it is it, it is an incredible story that's both science, very scientific, and yet there's a lot of emotion, and it's a beautiful story of friendship. Um, mm -hmm. Along the way, he meets an alien, and they work together to solve the problem, and, and I love that. It, it wasn't you know, a me versus you kind of story. It was, you know, two people from very diverse backgrounds working together to solve a problem. Yeah. Uh, which, which I think is the way to get things done. You know? Yeah. I, I was very surprised. I hadn't read anything by him before. I, I'd seen the movie, uh, the Martian really mm -hmm. enjoyed it, but then I had so many people talking about this story that it was unlike anything they'd read in, in ages. Mm, well, so yeah. I'll have to check it out. Well, it's so fascinating because, you know, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by aliens and the whole idea of it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, when we were kids, we're, we're probably around the same age, give or take. You know, yeah. there were nine planets and that's it. Don't expect any more. Yeah. And it was such a narrow view and so absurd, right? I mean, now mm -hmm. it's like there's billions and billions of planets, billions of galaxies with thousands of solar systems within, the, you know, it's just endless and to think oh there's only these few planets is, is absurd so i'm so fascinated by by aliens and, and many things i've read and watched that it's very curious how governments and and some of the information is portrayed right like mm -hmm. these negatives they're going to come after us and we need to defend ourselves and it's like aliens as far as i understand have been throughout time reported you know even their petroglyphs with alien spacecrafts and, and beings. And not once has there been an alien invasion or something like that. And mm -hmm. so it's very curious how more spacecraft have been seen recently by the, by the military and air force, et cetera. And now that the tone is sort of shifting a little bit to, Oh, we have to protect ourselves. And it's like, we have to protect ourselves from ourselves more than anything. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, you know, speaking of climate change and uh, all the stuff happening, it, it's yeah, we, we've we've got a <laughs> we've got a lot going on here. Yes. N not to say that I, I'm against space travel at all. I, I think, you know, exploring the universe is a wonderful thing. But, you know, we don't have to, you know make up these enemies or, or, you know, exactly. Or cause fear where there's maybe no reason to fear. 
uh, because we've exactly. got plenty, yeah, plenty of things to deal with now. So that's why I like the story you're mentioning because it just because someone and we, you know, it's similar to a racism. Oh, the alien mm-hmm. must be against us, and we have to fight because they're different, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's the same thing we deal with this on this planet. Pe- people making up these separations, um, you against me and us against them, et cetera, and they're often just constructs of the mind that uh mislead us yep so that's yeah that's a book i just finished and hmm. wow it, it's i mean i know it's only march but it's one of the best books i've read all year so <laughs> uh, <laughs> check it out well it's definitely you know thinking even back last year it was uh it probably would have been right up there so yeah it came, it came out about a year or two ago it's relatively new but yeah hmm. well i like to invite my authors on to talk about their writing journey and and how they got to be published so let's unpack your story. When did you realize you wanted to write and how did that lead to your career now? Well, you know, it's funny, like as a child, um, I was not an avid reader. I was actually very anti-school, kind of wanted nothing to do with a lot of it. And uh, but but ideas always fascinated me. Mm-hmm. Observations always fascinated me. So as I got a little older. I started writing lyrics for a band I was in. and um, But initially, I wrote a poem for a class in school. Um, and I found a power in those words that I had never found anywhere else. And I saw how it impacted people in the class and the instructor. My father even liked it, who I didn't get a lot of praise from. So I found a power in words that sort of opened my my mind to... Oh, there's something to this. Yeah. And I think that's something uh, all writers have found in common is that that understanding that these words have power and what do I do with that now? (laughs) You know, what's the next step? Yeah. Yeah. Well, words are fascinating because they could destroy, you know, your self-talk and you could be very, you know, negative to yourself or to someone else. And you can also lift them up, you know, and, and it's the simple words and the intention behind them that can change uh, one's life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of what I do um, with podcasting and, and YouTube videos and things, uh, I, I'd been thinking about doing it and, and maybe not, but I I had a one of my first guests on. She told me off, off camera, she just gave me some very um, genuine compliments that uh, encouraged me so much. I don't know if she even meant it to have that response but her words were were just just what i needed to hear to give me that push to yeah to jump in and do it yeah Um, yeah and and then how our words can you know heal help someone but they got to be careful because they can tear them down too absolutely Uh, you know we're always looking for validation right yeah not just as kids but even as adults we're looking for validation from from others and um but yeah words have have immense power when did you set out to become a novelist and a writer and how did that work for you? Um, somewhere in my twenties, uh, I started writing a little more seriously and, uh, my mother had passed away when I was 20 and it was, it was a shock to me. I did not know she was that ill. Mm. And so I started writing this, this sort of sweet love story, um, um, called Dawn about uh, two college kids in love and the mother is sick uh, and dying of cancer. And so it was sort of a, a way to pay homage to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, 
So it was like I said, it was this sweet kind of love story and family dynamic of, well, how do you, you know, these two are falling in love and yet the girl's mother is sick and dying. So it's this strange juxtaposition of how do you have young love and joy when someone very close to you is, is ill and, 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 and dying. So, you know, I wrote that and I, you know, <laughs> I had grand ambitions. I, 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 I live in New York and, and, grew up just outside the city, but I had never lived in the city. Mm. And so I was living upstate in the time and said, you know, I have to move to the city. I have to, that's where it is. That's where the big publishing houses, that's where it's all yeah. happening. This was before, you know, uh, the self-publishing world took off. And um, so this was late nineties, 2000, somewhere in there. And, uh, but you know, the problem with the story is I didn't really know how to write though. Yeah. <laughs> So that was the problem. I had some narrative structure issues, some point of view problems. You know, we bring our baggage with us wherever we go. So I, I didn't know how to write in that way. I didn't know how to write a novel. And I didn't know how to ask for help. Uh, mm. So that was sort of a double whammy was, you know, I'm in the Big Apple. And, you know, even though there's 8 million people there, you can still feel very alone. And uh, so I sent it out to um, a few agents at the time and, you know, got some form letters back and, you know, no, thank you, whatever. It's not for us. But I didn't know, hey, maybe I should take a class or maybe I should get an editor or maybe I should, you know, whatever. I totally was clueless. Uh, didn't have anyone to advise me or a mentor or someone to, you know, to ask questions of. And so I was writing that piece and another nonfiction piece called I Have a Pebble in My Shoe, sort of about the philosophies of life and um, the pillars of our society, religion, education, law, individuality, nature, uh, and so on. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, I was just writing because I had always observed. So I had been, you know, really for most of my earlier writing career was really just writing down observations, little notes. I'm out in the woods or, or whatever. I see someone doing something, so I jot something down. But that's very different than crafting, beginning, middle, end, inciting incidents, you know, structure issues, uh, arcs, everything under the sun that a good book uh, needs. So at that time, like, I had written the piece. I, I was proud of myself. I expected the sky to open and the dubs to be released. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, that was very hard, but that's a, it's a hard road. Um, you know, it, it is helpful obviously to have pedigree and to have connections. And, uh, this is why I think perhaps, uh, master's programs, they don't necessarily make you a better writer. Um, they might, but they give you connections at mm -hmm. the very least. They give you that social sort of environment, uh, and network, which is, as you know, in, you know, who you know is 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 everything in this life. So, uh, but that was where my journey started was, was with with Dawn. And now it, it looks like you do um, self publishing now. It still is that is that correct? For the most part, yeah. I mean, I had a, a short story published recently on a, I think it was called Literally Stories or something. But mm. so I, I'll send out some pieces here and there. But you know, it's so challenging when you send, especially when there's an a, a an agent involved. Mm -hmm. uh, everything I've read about agents, they're super busy. They have like no time. If they don't know your name, you're probably not, you're going to get, I think I read that it was something like 
your query letter or email will get 11 seconds, if that. <laughs> wow. And so, like, you know, think about it. Like, someone's walking across the street. They're looking at their phone. Or they're, you know, maybe they stubbed their toe 10 minutes earlier. Like, you don't know what mindset they're in. And, and you're, you're getting that small um, of a piece of time for something you've worked your heart and soul and tail off for. Um, and, you know, I don't know that much about the traditional publishing, just what I've read more than anything in my experiences. You know, a lot of the big publishing houses are, are really just looking for bigger names at this point yeah. um, because it's too much of a risk for them to, to go for someone who isn't that. Now, there are still people who make it through. It's not a, as as open as it once was, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, and, you know, self-publishing is a, a very different beast in some ways. You know, I still, I, I do everything professionally. I hire, you know, book design, formatters, editors, you know, everything under the sun that a professional book should have. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just not run through a traditional house. That's about it. You know, and the other thing yeah. with traditional houses that I know that you you still need to run your own social media and have your own, you know, platform and, you know, email list and everything else. They're not going to just say, hey, great. They're going to say, what What are you going to do for the book, basically? Mm -hmm. And not to mention they take, you know, a lot of the royalty. Um, they would be taking 90, 95% of the royalty. So um, I'm sure there are advantages. They have a better distribution network. Uh, but yes, for me, you know, self-publishing is something I can control. I can control the content, um, you know, the cover, the title, whatever it might be. Uh, that's my baby. And, you know, so if you get the marketing dialed in and the social media and the email list and all these things, you know, selling a hundred books or a thousand books that way is going to net you a lot more, you know, revenue um, than a traditional approach. That kind of gives you the freedom too to write about what you want to write about. So you have yeah. a book, you know, that's science fiction-y, a book that's, you know, maybe more of a human drama story, that kind of thing. And and you can bounce around genres, you know, however you like. And, uh, you know, from what I understand of the more traditional way, they try to keep you at least in the same, <laughs> you know, the same genre. Yeah. You know, that that's what sells for them. Yeah. That is absolutely accurate because, I mean, I have the book Naricon and I'm, I'm becoming out with the next one, the, the second one in the series later this this year. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully. Um, but it's true. I mean, yes, you get pigeonholed, but it's also because people are looking for you to write in that same genre or style. They want, you know, I, they don't want me to now write a cookbook, you know, so mm -hmm. there is some truth to, yes, you need to be consistent with what you're putting out there. So you can, so people can find the same thing. You know, there's a reason people go to McDonald's. They know what they're getting. It's not yeah. a guessing game, right? But that's that's hard for me because, you know, I mean, I'm going to be completing the Naracon series, you know, and, and there should be three to five books. Like I said, the next one will be out in, in later this year. But I have other books I want to write and need to write. And so I, I can't allow myself to just get pigeonholed in that way because, you know, life is writing is about expression, self-expression and sort of the interpretation of the world and the knowledge and the wisdom and the intuition and putting it back into characters and story. Would you say self-publishing is 
the better way to go uh, for everyone or maybe for a few? Uh, I, I don't have that answer. Obviously, okay. it's, a, <laughs> it's kind of a vague objective. answer or question. Uh, yeah. You know, I've, I've known people who have done both. If you notice, a lot of big names have gone the self-publishing route. Sure. You know, maybe they still have traditional, but they've gone, they've put out plenty of books. Sue Grafton, I think Stephen King, a number of people have put out self-published books. And if you're a big enough name, you know, and you're on some some big shows or whatever it might be, there people are just going to buy up your book. And now you're making the majority of, you know, the income or the revenue instead of the other way around. Yeah. But it's a way to move the needle faster because if I'm waiting for an agent, an agent might take three months, six months to get back to me if they get back to me at all. And so when I have a book done, okay, you know, I get some people to read it. Um, You get your readers. You got to have readers to get feedback because we often miss things as as writers or we fill in the blank with our minds and not on the page. Uh, And so you need the readers. You need the editors, but you can move it the ball down the court without waiting and waiting. It's such a strange thing because, like, all right, it's like a hurry up and wait. You work your tail mm-hmm. off for something for a couple of years, and then the gatekeepers, you're just waiting for them. I know another um, self-published writer. He does uh, mysteries, and so he has a mystery series he'll write, and and he'll be able to put out two to three mysteries a year. Wow! What I mean, he, he's a fast writer, you know, and. Clearly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and he has said, you know, that in like, if it were traditionally published, he wouldn't be able to do that mm-hmm. because, you know, they have the whole market thing. They don't want to over flood the market with the yeah. one name and all. Not to mention the book ain't coming out in a month or two. It's going to be six months or a year. Yeah. Right. Right. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the downside though, is that what, without some of that stuff built in with like promotion and things, you know, that mm-hmm. he's a, on the other hand, I, I do have to write quite a lot to, to make ends meet around here, but <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, yeah but it, 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 there's good and bad, but yeah. I'm encouraged by things like being able to uh, publish, you know, even on, on Amazon, you can publish through them. And sure. I, I think it's been getting easier and easier for, for self-publishing. And I've come across some wonderful gems that, mm-hmm. I don't, I know I wouldn't have if it hadn't been that easy to get things um, done on your own. I mean, the opposite also is, and I don't, this maybe has weeded itself out a bit, you know, a few years ago, I mean, people just throw anything on Amazon, right? unedited, missing this and that, just a lot. I mean, some of it was just crap because they Mm -hmm. were just trying to make a buck off it instead of putting good quality content out there. So that's a bit of the opposite of the downside is anyone could throw anything out there. And maybe if you have a catchy name or or a good cover, you know, you maybe get some sales. I mean, there's so many books on Amazon that you're competing against. And truth be told, you're not even really competing against them because if you don't have your own marketing and sales, you know, channels and, and, you know, email funnels and all these things, nobody knows you're there. So it's not even a competition. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're just unless there's a discoverability, because if not, you're really just on basically on some back shelf that no one would ever be able to find in Amazon because you're really just clicking on pages and writing in a genre that you might be interested in. So, again, there are millions and millions of books on it. So it really just comes back to 
How do you get seen? How do you get found? And mm-hmm. the same problem with traditional is like, they're not running marketing campaigns for you. If you're a no-name person and people say, oh, you get a big um, advance, maybe you get a few bucks, a few, 5,000 bucks, if that, maybe. Um, often you, you don't. So that's the other thing is like, you still have to be doing the footwork yourself. Well, it's it's kind of like podcasting even, um, you know, as probably you know, is that a independent podcast versus one that's being put out by, uh, you know, Spotify or something, you know, that like directly signed up with them as a company and yeah. the, the big names. Um, it, it's, I mean, you got to do all the work yourself, but I love it. You know, it, it's, it's a blast. And yeah, um, yeah I want to trade it for the world. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a gift. I, I find. Yeah. You know, getting to speak with folks. Yep. Well, some of the books you published, uh, as we've mentioned, uh, the the cloak deception. I I just started reading that and am really intrigued by where the story is going to go. Oh, good. That that one's kind of a science fiction feel to it, or uh, maybe a little fantasy even. Yeah. What what can you tell us about that book, and uh, I guess a couple of your other books that uh, you have had out recently? So as we as we discussed earlier in the show, like I like things that that matter. There's some meaning behind it all. Yes, it can be entertaining on the surface, but underneath it, there's some meaning. And so Narakon, I started writing, and I don't remember which came first. So I'm I, I, not making this up. I started thinking I need to write, you know, sci-fi. You see all these superhero movies. And I always felt like you could have something a little deeper, a little more meaningful, a little something touching a nerve and you can do that in sci-fi fantasy because you're, you're pushing out the boundaries of reality, right? You accept a lot more in, you know, a a superhero movie or whatever than you would in a regular drama. Mm -hmm. Uh, You accept that the boundaries of reality are further and you just kind of trust it quite often. And so I started thinking like, you know, it would be interesting if something had a little more depth to it, some super superhero characters, you know, on this kind of mission, but there's something more going on. And so, again, I can't recall which happened first, but, and this has never happened since, is I started hearing a voice, a British voice speaking to me about this story and sort of about dimensions and dimensionalities and the evolution of souls and entities trying to stop the evolution from happening and other entities trying to encourage it. And, you know, the split mind, the dichotomy, and and that's something, you know, most humans struggle with, right? The the, the dark and the light within them, the dark and the light of thoughts, self-doubt, and then you have the other side of, you know, that that bigger, better self you feel like you're trying to get to. And so that's sort of the story in a grander scale. Who are we? What are we trying to do? And so anyway, it's about the evolution of souls and but what if something stops that evolution? Mm. What happens if the if the human race, the lowest sentient being in the story, is submerged into darkness, and you lose that connection, that impulse, that that soul that's guiding you? Wow, yeah. So we're we're in for a treat in this in this series. <laughs> I it hope sounds so. like yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, I'd be curious when you finish it. Please let me know your thoughts. I sure will. Yeah, yeah. I well, I like. 
already the, in the opening with the the main character uh you know he he's kind of i don't know i you just identify with him he's kind of struggling with who he is how he looks his appearance and yes. there's something i meant to do kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah but he can't quite put his finger on it though right yeah yeah, yeah. it's and it's kind of like when you wake up after a dream and you're trying to remember it but you can't you know <laughs> it's yeah. just a nagging thought in your head like yeah it's been eluding him but uh, soon it shall uh he'll come face to face with it awesome yeah well i i love those stories that have like you're saying the deeper meaning and and i love i love what they call genre fiction you know science fiction fantasy yeah things like that but my favorites are are the ones that have that you know it's not just a spaceship movie you know but there's something deeper going on it's you know an examination of the human condition or whatever you know yeah well that's really what the book is is sort of touching on a lot of that with philosophical um, musings and and, you know psychological spiritual all all Mm -hmm. those things kind of wrapped into a modern day uh, story you have also written a short story collection uh, called uh, Leaves Piled High yes sir I find short stories to be incredible in that, you know, they can carry that emotional punch of a novel, but do it in about 10 to 12 pages or or less or more, you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. What are the differences between writing a short story and writing a novel? Well, that is a loaded question, my friend. (laughs) That's a, that's Um, a whole class, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, a novel is, is obviously long, uh, a novel has, is meanders a lot more. There's a lot more detail in. Uh, you can go on into tangents. Short stories, you have to have, be somewhat limited in your sort of, let's say, bullet points or highlights of what you're hitting on, mm-hmm. uh, the beats you're hitting. You can only have so many characters in a short story, obviously. Um, you know, story arcs, they, again, things are a little more um, um, shortened obviously. So again, it's really just comes down to, they're a lot more strict on what you're, what information you're relaying. And like I said, sort of the high points, the the heavy beats you're hitting to get to that, that, you know, big finale or or conclusion. Whereas a novel is much more, you know, you can meander and throw in 1400 different things. You know, I'm reading this Kim, uh, you know, Stanley Robinson book, and there's so much, detail and science and this group and that group and you know does it need to be that long no mm-hmm. but for him for whatever reason he's filling it out you know from everyone's sort of point of view you know bankers and scientists and people and you know governments and you know individuals and how it's affecting them and do you need all that no it could have been you know a quarter of the size so that's really the big difference that I understand, you know, uh, mm-hmm. say a short story is you're you're hitting beats, and it has to be much more restrictive. You can't really go on tangents like you can in a novel. Now, do you have a preference as to which one you write? Well, it's funny. Some some of the short stories I've written, um, or or sometimes I think a story is a short story, and then it just keeps growing and becomes a novel. No, I don't. You know, I just try to follow the story. Mm-hmm. And let the story be whatever it needs to be. Uh, if it needs to be 300 pages, fine. If it needs to be six pages, that's fine. But it, again, it's really just about getting typically the character's 
his or her story out and uh, what they're all about. So, no, honestly, it's fun. You know, short stories are great because you can finish them a lot quicker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Get that done faster. Yeah. 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 Uh, One of the questions on your page I've been thinking about, uh, which is what is success? Um, and it says that you're you're always ready to answer that question. So, you know, that's something I've been thinking about. You know, what what is qualifies as success? How do I know when I've been successful? Um, so, how would you answer that question? Uh, I think there are degrees of success, and you know, we've been spoon fed this notion of success is when you have houses and cars and money and you know all these material things. But time and time again, people have found, well, they're not satisfied. Mm-hmm. Well, if those are supposed to make you successful, aren't you supposed to be successful if you have those things? Now, I'm not saying, you know, my love money and we all need money as much mm-hmm. as we can get. Right. Uh, and cars <laughs> are great and, and adventures and tours but um, and houses and, you know, all those kind of things are wonderful. Yeah. But that is would be a secondary result of success and what i mean success and you might not have any of those if you're successful but what i mean by success is i think initially it really comes down to are you honoring yourself Hmm. are you doing things in the world that are improving the world are you helping other people are you helping yourself and i don't mean in a narcissistic selfish point of view i mean are you honoring the gifts that were given to you because that's the way you feel fulfilled. That's the way you, you do help the world move forward by bringing your gifts to the world. Um, so I think that's my initial definition of it. Am I living my best life? And, you know, that that's an evolutionary process but or journey. But mm-hmm. again, am I honoring myself? And that could be the scariest thing for people. Because again, those words those self-doubts, those negatives, look at the proof of uh, I've never done it before, I've never gone there before, all this, this, these words. So again, are we honoring? And then if you don't, then you're just unhappy and you're trying to get there anyway, mm-hmm. and you keep trying to get there. So again, I think success really starts with, am I a successful human? Not so mm-hmm. much am I a successful writer, though that's nice. Am I a successful human? Am I living and doing the best I can do. And, you know, when you are tapping into yourself in that way and honoring your gifts, it shows, you know, you typically hold your head up higher, you you know, you're in a better mood, you know, you you do more for others probably because you're already in a good place. You probably laugh more, you're more playful. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a successful life. I love that being, being true to yourself, you know, honoring who you are, what you do, um, and, and being true to that. I, I think that that carries a lot of weight. Yeah, that's good. Because you could make a lot of money and be successful in business or successful in something. Right. Um, but are you a successful person? And I think successful person is, again, honoring oneself and, and you know, bringing one's life to the table. Yeah. One other kind of, uh, I guess, side note here or, or sidetrack, but... Um, you, you also do a podcast along with writing. What, what's your podcast about and what do you talk about there? So it's called The Den of Discussion. And it initially started really just about 
interviewing writers and you know publishing and, and those mm-hmm. kind of things and then it just morphed into once again my interest and my hu- interest is the human condition and people overcoming challenges redemption people moving their industries forward um or bringing light and information um to move some segment of society forward it's ultimately about people overcoming challenges uh, redemption and, and moving the world forward, shedding a light on things that are often swept under the rug. You know, that sounds like it really connects back to your whole definition of success to be, you know, that you're, you're kind of finding those people who have done that and have made the world a better place, or like you said, move yeah. their industry forward. That's, that's or illuminating something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Here, as we, uh, get ready to wrap up, I always like to um, ask for any kind of writing advice you might have for people who want to uh, start their writing journey. Uh, What are some lessons you've learned along the way? Well, I remember an instructor (laughs) had said to me, uh, or had said to the class I was in, she said, look, and she'd had a a few books out, you know, moderately successful. Mm -hmm. And she said, look, if if you're doing it just to make like money, don't. She's like, I probably made like a couple pennies per hour that I've worked on writing. Um, she said, you just have to be, it's something you have to do is really what it comes down to. Um, not for glamour, um, not for Pulitzers or something like that. Again, not not, not for the those externals. Yes, you want to sell books if you want to be a professional, of course. Um, absolutely, you want to connect to people. Part of why I write is because I want to connect to people. Uh, first and foremost, I want to connect to people. There are certain people looking for what I'm offering. I want to connect to them. So it has to be something where your heart is truly aligned with it. And and it's hard. I mean, there are times that you're going to quit and maybe you will quit for a little bit. I've certainly have stopped, you know, at times after dawn, um, or sometimes you just need a, a few days or a couple of weeks of just like, I'm not writing. I need to, sometimes you're sort of refilling that reservoir as well, that creative reservoir. But again, you know, again, if anyone's writing, don't do it by committee. Don't like write one little piece and then go to some, you know, group and, and shop it around because everyone, people are going to rip it apart. You know, it's a very fragile thing, mm-hmm. uh, writing. So, you know, write your stuff, maybe take a course, maybe, you know, maybe get a, you know, a coach or whatever it might be. Uh, read a lot, obviously. Uh, read up on writing. Uh, listen to writing podcasts, but it's a long game and you have to love it. And and you have to do it with that in mind is I'm here to express myself. I'm here to share um, how I see the world, how I see life, how I see whatever it might be. But that's really it is, is honor it, hold, hold it close to your heart. Because, I mean, I had gone to some writing classes earlier when I was still in the city after I kind of had stumbled or actually had moved back out of the city. And I remember I wrote this piece and, you know, you have 15 people in the class. Everyone's supposed mm-hmm. to comment whether they want have a comment or not. And half of them don't know what they're talking about, you know, or, or, <laughs> right. or they're commenting on things. They don't, they don't even like the story or the genre. Um, so that's not really a great person to be reading and commenting. So you got to right. be cautious as to who you're asking to read it. 
Yeah. You know, one writer said, don't ask your mom to proofread it, you know, to give her opinion. She's going to love yeah. it no matter what it is, right. you know. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, find someone who can be honest with what is needed to make it the a better story. Yeah. Yeah. Constructive criticism. And, you know, classes yeah. can be great and groups can be great. But again, it's an evolutionary journey. So certainly taking some classes, getting yeah. meeting some writers who have been there, done that. Uh, anything to shorten the curve. And then what are some future projects you've got working on? I know you, you mentioned uh, sequels coming out uh, later this, this fall, hopefully. Hopefully. It'll probably be winter, but uh, hopefully I'll get it out this year, though. Okay. Awesome. You know, more stories come than I could probably ever get to. But, you know, I have a, a, a I'm not even sure if it's a book of short stories because the one story just keeps growing. And it's probably 30,000 words at this point. It had been 18,000 words when I had sent it off to the editor. And uh, so, you know, again, I, I realize I often write about redemption of people who, who aren't, you know, who aren't the glamorous ones, the ones who are kind of marginalized in society. I feel like I, I write about them, you know, not so maybe the voiceless, but I give them a light. I give them a stage. And I give them the humanity that they, they deserve. Wonderful. Well, best of luck to you. Uh, I'll, I'll be uh, looking forward to um, book two. I, I almost didn't start reading The Cloak Deception because I didn't see any book two out yet. And I, I didn't want to get started on a series without it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> you <know>. sorry. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. No. <laughs> again, again, I was fine. <laughs> you know, things work faster in our brains than they do on the page. And I've been working on these other stories and I thought they would have been done months and months ago. And, you know, they just take, take as long as they need. And sometimes it's, it's longer than, than you, you hope. No, that's, yeah, that's perfectly fine. It's yeah. I just like, well, what if I get invested and he's not really going to write a sequel? <laughs> you know, this is going to be awful. <laughs> what will you do then with your life? Right. Well, time to write some fan fiction, I guess. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But thank you. Yes. I, I intend to get it out this year. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. And uh, Douglas, thank you so much for being on the show today. Do you have a website or a place people can come and find you? Uh, sure. Yeah. If they want to, uh, they come to my website, douglasrobbinsauthor.com. Uh, if you put in your your email, you get a, a beautiful free story. And, um, and then you get podcasts and updates of uh, books that are coming out. All right. So everyone run out and do that. And uh, Douglas, thank you for uh, being my guest today. All right. It's been such a pleasure. Yep. Well, you take care. You too. Thank you for listening to the Bookshelf Odyssey podcast. You can check out the show notes to find out all the information, links, and books that we referenced in today's episode. If you'd like to help support the show, I'd love for you to share on your social medias, tell your bookworm friends, share with your author friends and help us get the word out. If you'd like to help out in a financial way, there are links in the show notes where you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. You can find all episodes at bookshelfodyssey.com. And please follow us on my social medias. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Follow us there for more bookish content. And so until next time, happy reading, everyone, and take care.